As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. Get ready for a real dose of Kane's football hot takes. It's the Real Ones Kane's podcast. Follow us on X. You know, it used to be Twitter at Real Ones Kane's. That's Real Ones Kane's. R E A L O N E S C A N E S. All right. Time to take a flamethrower to your face. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the premiere edition of the Real Ones Canes Podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London, and I am joined by my man, Brandon O'Doy, and together we will bring you the Real Ones Canes Podcast every week right here. So lock it up now, save it, subscribe, do all the thumbs up, everything you got to do to keep it. But, Brandon, we are uh, we are almost ready for... The 2023 campaign for the Miami Hurricanes coming off a disappointing five and seven year for uh, the Mario Cristobal led Canes last year in his first season. But it is good to be with you, brother. Good to be back working with you. And I can't wait to get this thing going. Yeah, Beast, good to be with you. I had to go back in the archives and see how long we've actually been working together. And, uh, you know, we had some times at a former outlet back in 2012 and now get ready 12 years later to go into this first week of this Miami hurricane season. And, you know, like you said, it, there is anticipation because, you know, Kane's fans want to know the world wants to know, will the U turn the corner finally under the leadership of Mario Cristobal and get to some level of competitiveness on a consistent basis to be in the national conversation? You know, you've been using the term sober take ever since we've been talking about this podcast, and that's what we're aiming to do. So, like I said in our teaser pod, right, we don't want to have necessarily the orange and green uh, glasses on, and we don't also want to have the pom-poms going, nor do we want to rain on any parade. We just want to give you reality. That's why we yeah, call the thing. Real, you know, the real ones, the guys that have, I mean, let's establish a baseline here. We're not just two guys talking. We've been credentialed for the last 12 years. This is year 12 for me. This is year however many for you, 20-plus. We've been in the program. We've had access. You know, I have, you know, a level of background information from football hotbed covering a lot of the kids that are playing. A lot of these kids have been in my All-Star games. I know these parents. We have an insight that a lot of people do not have the access to and we're going to talk about our perspective, and that's what we bring to the table. And I'm excited even for our guest today uh, because that's the kind of access we're going to have right off the top with a banger guest. And, you know, we're looking forward to Miami of Ohio and what this team is going to show us they are for the beginning of this season. Yeah, Brandon teased it 
Adam Rittenberg. He's the senior college football writer for ESPN. He will be joining us coming up next segment here on the Real Ones Canes podcast. But like Brandon said, man, uh, next season will mark my 30th year of covering the Miami Hurricanes football team, being around this program. That was my uh, my freshman campaign at the U when I was walking around in jorts somehow. I don't know how that happened. But my fashion sense hasn't gotten any better in 30 years, Brandon. It's, it's, it's pretty woeful. But let's get back to this team. Last year, Mario Cristobal comes in, and I'll be honest with you, Brandon, I – I thought good things were going to happen. You know, I remember Mario as a player. Remember Mario? I remember traveling with the team when, when Mario was a GA, followed his career, went to Rutgers with Shiano, Bama with Nick, was, was back in Miami for like a week. Uh, before that whole thing, was at FIU as a head coach out in Oregon, followed his career, thought he would come in and immediately have – a decent amount of success. I, I, I wasn't looking for a national championship, but certainly I think they. I thought they would be above 500. But I think what I failed to realize, and probably what Mario and his coaching staff failed to realize, is what was under the hood of this Miami program just simply wasn't good enough. Brandon. Yeah, I talked about it in the opening show, Beast. I mean, this isn't a rebuild. This is a construction project. It's kind of like, you know, when you take a school. Like I went home. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Hertz Ferry Elementary. It's no longer in its original place. It's somewhere across the street. Now, it's still Hertz Ferry Elementary. It's got the same name. It's got the same prestige. Used to be a Blue Ribbon School, all that educational jazz. But it's a reconstruction. It's not the same building. And I feel like that's the same thing with this program. Yes, five national championships. Yes, a ton of pros. Yes, Hall of Famers. Yes, prestige but that's so far removed from anything any kid alive that would be want to be a recruitable uh student athlete to the university of miami can can really grasp and that's the thing that you know people really have to understand the last 20 years of this program miami is essentially a seven and five eight and four you know six and six program and those are just the facts and we talked about this last week. There was one competitive year where this team was actually a threat to be either an ACC champion or a national champion. One in 12 since I've been covering. So I think Coach Cristobal, his staff, them coming in and sort of not really understanding how difficult a job this truly is, I think that led to some growing pains. The embarrassing losses at home to me are the highlight of last season. You don't lose 45, 40, whatever to Middle Tennessee State at home. You don't turn around and do the same thing against Duke. You don't turn around and do the same thing against Florida State. And then to cap things off, you don't turn around and do the exact same thing against Pitt. With Kevin Steele as your D.C., he gets a promotion, so to speak, and now he's the D.C. at Alabama. Like, what happened last year? We're still trying to figure that out. Brandon, I went back and looked at the stats. I mean, the running game was abysmal, right? You had Tyler Van Dyke that tried to play through a hurt shoulder. That didn't go too well. I thought Will Mallory was going to be one of the best tight ends I ever saw at Miami. 
he he played okay, but had a great freshman year and never became the same. But n- they they couldn't find him at times. I I felt like he was lost. Uh, the play calling was terrible, which I guess is why we have new coordinators. Just nothing went right. And you know, one of the reporters I, I was watching Mario Cristobal's press conference the other day. Um, and someone tried to ask him about Middle Tennessee State, and he just was not having it. He he shut that down. He shut that down real quick. Um, but it, you know, it just it just was so abysmal from so many different angles last year. Not to mention uh, the the transfer portal um, played out like an NFL free agency wire for the Miami Hurricanes. People coming, people going all over the place for this team. I, I don't. I, I'm going down the entire list. I mean, guys, I didn't even know were on the team left. Guys, I didn't even realize came here. Uh, ended up in Coral Gables, and somehow out of all of it, they have another Australian punter. Props to Lou Headley for making the New Orleans Saints. But man, what a, what a what a off season of change for this team with players, but also with coaches, Brandon. I think the theme uh, that I got from the reporting that I did during the offseason was a culture change. And people inside the program have told me there was some weeding out. You know, a lot of players went into the transfer portal, but they were ushered into the portal. And there, there are two or three ways to get into the transfer portal. One, you shock everyone. You just put your name in there. That's your right to do as a student athlete. Two, you give proper notice and three, the coaches give you notice. Like you need to find somewhere else to play. Cause you don't have a spot here. I'm going to paraphrase a Mario quote that he let off with his presser with the other day. Right. He said the difference between year one and year two, the DNA on this team is different. Right. The first floor and the second floor, meaning the coaches offices and downstairs where the kids are working out. That's completely different, right? You know, unlike last year, this this team actually spends a lot of time together. They're not just saying they so, spend a lot of time yeah, together. And then one more thing. He said, systematically, we're better suited to the personnel we have, which kind of angered me a little bit, which it kind of means, like, you, you didn't do that last year. So the deal is this. He hired everybody. Nobody – the coordinators didn't get a chance to hire their – you know, so we're not going to go there. I like Coach Cristobal. I'm going to be very careful, and you'll see this as a theme. I'm going to be very careful on my criticisms of him. That one I think is the fairest one of all, and I think he understands that. One thing I think about Mario Cristobal is when he makes a mistake, he's the first one to own up to it and to begin to reconstruct it. And so when you see a lot of the recruiting takes, you know, with Coach Shannon Dawson, offensive coordinator, Coach Lance Gidry, they are being able to go shop for their own groceries and cook their product. So we'll find out if this is, you know, now an acceptable course of action. But I will say this. When you talk about culture change and kids being the first one in and the first one out, and and this is a team, we hang out together, we bond, that stuff sounds great. And I can say this in 12 years of covering this team, I've heard it before, and I've drunk the Kool-Aid. And that's why I don't get in, caught up into too much off-season stuff, spring. Like, I'm to the point in my career in covering this team and college football in general, man, I just want to see you play. I want to hear about it. Like, I understand Coach Cristobal dismissed the Middle Tennessee question. 
But that is currently the defining game of his tenure at Miami. And until you erase that, that that question is always relevant. Now, I, I disagree with how it was presented because it, it's it's not germane to any particular topic in in journalism and you know answering asking questions at a press conference. You like to have a hook because you can leave yourself open to what happened just then, and and, that, and that's why the guy got dismissed. And yeah. he, you know he learned a very valuable lesson. But yeah, no, there's 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 a fine art to asking questions, art. especially. Let me be honest. That. You yeah. that Let me be honest with you, especially with a Mario Cristobal-led press conference and a Mario Cristobal-led staff and players, because they're going to try to give you nothing. They're going to so, try to give you nothing, and they're going to politely tell you where to shove the stuff that you just tried to send their way. Good thing it wasn't Nick Saban, um, because it would have gotten ugly. But I will say this. That's going to be the defining characteristic, the defining game of this tenure until – Something else to reverse that happens. Beating Florida State this year, beating Texas A&M at home, winning some games you're not supposed to win or not favored to win against Clemson. And I don't want to preview, you know, my predictions for the season, but that's that's what it's going to take. You know, we joked when we were coming up with guest ideas. Uh, we kind of were like, you know, Don Solinger is always a guest on every podcast, right? The former Hurricanes running backs coach and special teams coach. And he's yeah. he's been around a long time. Um, but the one thing that has always stuck with me about Donnie Salinger is whenever we would ask him preview questions about his running backs or his special teams or anything, and he would say, you know what, bro? I'm like the state of Missouri. You got to show me. Yep, because show me. Yep, Missouri is the show me state, and I've, I've lived that lesson every single year. I do not pay attention to spring practice. I do not pay attention to off-season moves. I do not pay attention to fall camp. I pay attention snap number one, game number one. That's when I start to pay attention. Yeah, and I think that's when you start judging. First of all, we don't get enough access as media, credentialed media for the Hurricanes, to make any real judgments. And I, and I listen to podcasts. I see reports. I'm seeing articles, and I get it. People have bosses. People have, you know, content that they've got to put out. But, like, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Now, I just happen to know a couple of the position coaches personally. I've known them since before they become position coaches. I know what they're telling me they think they have at their position. And, you know, to maintain those relationships, I won't divulge more, much more but than to say this. The offensive side of the ball is confident in what they see out of Tyler Van Dyke and confident about playmaking ability on this offense. The kids, if you talk to them media day up until present, they're excited about the opportunity to kind of stretch the field to be a more exciting, more dynamic offense. Now, to be a great offense, you've got to have guys that make plays, particularly on third down. You've got to continue to move the chains. There are some guys that this offense is going to count on and look to, but it's going to start with TVD, Tyler Van Dyke, and to be honest, my honest opinion of TVD is that he was a system guy. I felt as soon as Rhett Lashley took the job at SMU, he should have jumped in the portal and ran with him and, and, and taken his talents to SMU in Dallas because I felt like he was a system guy. Last year, I was to, beginning to be proved right. Will that actually be the case as we open up? You know, this was a guy who was a first-round pick, you know, projection and – now he's completely been dialed back from all of that. Will I be proven wrong? I don't know. I would love to see him have an amazing year, look like he did as a sophomore, 
but I am not hopeful based on my initial evaluation because I feel like he was a system guy. And you know what, Brandon? I, I, it, it's funny, man, because here's our first here's our first disagreement, Brandon. I totally disagree. Uh, you know, I, yes, I think he played great in Rhett Lashley's system, but I think uh, I think Tyler Van Dyke can be a great quarterback when he's healthy and when he has any good coaching. Because I don't think he got it last year. So my biggest thing with Tyler, and I'll say this and shut up. I don't like his decision making, particularly when he's flushed out of the pocket. Particularly when late in games, when things get really tight, I don't like how he makes decisions. And it might be because of, you know, scheme. We'll find that out this year and we'll find it out. Really, we might. I hope we don't have to see it this week. Hopefully this is a comfortable first week, but we're definitely going to find out next week. This is a conversation that will be jettisoned pretty quickly. (laughs) Sometimes you're, ma- you're, you're forced to make bad decisions because literally if you don't make the play, no one else will. We will do more predicting about this season and talk about the matchup against Miami of Ohio coming up in a little bit. But after the break, one of the best covering college football right now is Adam Rittenberg. He's a senior college football writer for ESPN. He joins us coming up on the Real Ones Canes podcast after this. The Real Ones Canes podcast is brought to you by Closure Investigative Agency, the premier private investigative firm in Florida. They're the most aggressive PI firm in South Florida. Ulysses and his crew will get you the information you need and leave no stone unturned. They've been doing it for more than two decades, and there is no one else you should trust to find you the truth. Are you worried about a cheating spouse? Do you have a custody issue? Do you need a thorough background check done of a potential employee? Need an insurance or legal investigation done? Or even an international investigation that needs to happen? Closure Investigative Agency has you covered. Call Ulysses and his staff right now at 844 403 That's 844-403-2550. Or email them at info at ciagency.com and follow them on X at C-I-A-P-I-F-L. That's C-I-A-P-I-F-L. And find them on the web at ciagency.net. Closure Investigative Agency, sponsoring the Real Ones Canes podcast. to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London. Brandon O'Doy is my co-host and joining us right now. He is ESPN senior college football writer. You can follow him on X at ESPN Rittenberg. Adam Rittenberg is joining us. Adam, thanks so much for being here. You bet, guys. Great to be with you. So uh, another Northwestern J school guy. I, I mean, you guys just dominate the media. Just, a, just another guy that came out of college ready to just kick butt and take names. Uh, I don't That's know about that. He's trying to follow Brandon here. He's, he's, he's doing all the, he's all, he's doing all the butt kicking and name taking. 
All right, let's get down to it. Adam, you, you do a great job of covering college football for ESPN, and I'm not sure where you stood as far as watching Miami's program out, out over the last decade plus and then seeing, you know, quote, one of our own in Mario Cristobal coming back to take the reins last year and then watching a team lose to Middle Tennessee State um, and Duke and almost everybody else and going 5-7, and seven, finishing 11th in the ACC. Just your thoughts on what happened in 2022 with the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I think what struck me, and you mentioned the Middle Tennessee game, is, is not just the losses but the margin of defeats and that yeah. Miami just didn't show up in a lot of the games that they lost. I mean, three of the last four, you know, they're losing by you know 26 points or more. Um, that's just not a good look with a team that you know, clearly has talent. You know, he inherited some and, and added to it um, you know, through the transfer portal. I, I think back to the staff composition. I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot. You know, initially it was like, why isn't Mario making any hires? And then it was right. like, oh, my God, he hired Josh Gaddis and Kevin Steele and all these notable assistants. But I think in hindsight, there were probably some errors there. Um, and the delay in putting that together, you know, probably was an indicator that things weren't going to be um, maybe as smooth in year one as Miami fans and, and certainly Mario wanted them to be. And you're know, just talking to some coaches around the ACC that faced Miami, especially on offense. I mean, one coach told me they just didn't have a plan on offense. And it showed up uh, too often for a unit that they clearly had some some talent. You know, defense showed up sometimes, other games it didn't. It's certainly down the stretch, 82 points allowed in their last two games. Uh, really disappointing. So, um, you know, year two, you reset, uh, different coaches are in place. They have, uh, you know, brought in some more talent, but there's a lot of new players in key roles, and it's going to be fascinating to see how they perform. You know, the opening schedule is, is you know, fair favorable, I would say, um, but that first half before you get to Clemson, and then it gets tougher in that second half. So I think how Miami starts the season is going to be really important. Adam, when, it, when you come to, like, national perception with regard to this, you know, Miami Hurricane team, they're not really mentioned as they shouldn't really be, but what is sort of in your job is to kind of keep an eye on the top programs and, and report out, you know, on, you know, what's going on with them, talk to coaches, your sources, what sort of the national perception of this program right now under Cristobal? Well, I, I think, you know, now you look at it's been multiple coaches and, you know, multiple generations of players and they've had talent and they put guys into the NFL. There's something just isn't right there. And, you know, it's up to Mario, who's gotten, you know, in tremendous support internally and externally in ways that maybe his predecessors didn't have to get it right. But I think it's safe to say that this issue at Miami you know, is beyond one coach or one group of players. You know, it wasn't just a bad group in the locker room or a coach that didn't know what he was doing. Uh, there's something deeper that's wrong there that ultimately needs to get fixed by a guy who uh, you know, seemingly has the answers because of his institutional knowledge, his knowledge of the area, uh, the way he recruits. But, um, you know, I think, I think you look back now, when, when, when things haven't been right for 20 years, you can't pin it on one person or one group. Is there another example in college football where a program that, that reeled off championships five over a couple of decades just somehow got systemically turned sideways and just hasn't been the same since? I mean, even Alabama went through some down years, right? There's been, there's been some other big schools that have gone through it, but I can't, right off the top of my head, I mean, think of another school 
that had Miami's ups and now has Miami's downs. Yeah, I mean, the three schools you think about that had great success in the 90s, and you, I mean, Miami obviously had great success in the 80s as well, but you think about Nebraska, Miami, Tennessee. And yeah. um, you know, the difference with the other two programs is that they're not located in the recruiting hotbed that Miami is. Now, those other two programs are big state institutions that have uh, you know, different booster bases and resources, and, and they're not really similar to Miami just as, as a, from an academic um, a profile standpoint. Uh, or in how they're set up as universities, I should say. Uh, but but not, none of them have been able to get back to what they were. Now, Tennessee had a great season last year, and it seems like things are uh, trending positively um, uh, under Josh Heupel. But I don't know if there's an example. Just because, And this goes back to why Miami was so unique in the first place. I mean, it's a, it's a private school. It's a small school that had just incredible success, it, it, you know, in it, this surge, you know, from the early 80s, um, through the early 2000s and didn't have a whole lot of history before that hasn't had a whole lot of history after that. So it's, it's a, it's such a, it's almost like it's a one of one situation and it's hard to compare it to others, but I would put, you know, Nebraska and Tennessee a bit in that same category of programs that really had it going in the eighties and nineties and have struggled, you know, since the early 2000s until, you know, last year you could say for Tennessee. That's interesting that you mentioned that. And those are some, key programs. I think Tennessee is kind of, Adam, getting back to some more prominence, and they've certainly done well in the recruiting. And I think part of the reason why Tennessee is what they are becoming again is because of getting back to the quarterback, you know, elite level that they've had in the past when they were competitive, the T. Martins, Peyton Mannings of of the world. And when you think about guys like C.J. Stroud, you know, you know, Bryce and, you know, the J.J. McCarthy's, the guys that have been, you know, attached to elite programs, Caleb Williams, guys like that. Miami has Tyler Van Dyke. Now, there was conversations that, you know, he toyed with the transfer portal. And I don't know how much you know about that or his his perception. But what do you what are your feelings on him? Because he he probably makes the biggest determination outside of the coaching staff and crystal ball about what happens with this team this year. Right. No, I mean, he's a tremendously talented player and very much respected throughout the ACC. And I think most of the coaches I've talked to don't pin the offense's problems on Tyler, but more on the the staff and, and what they were trying to do collectively and maybe some of their other personnel issues that surfaced at, at times last season. So I think there's certainly the possibility that he gets back to the guy that we saw in 2021 when he was very much on the NFL radar and looked at it as a guy who wouldn't be at Miami this year because he'd be in the NFL, not because, um, you know, the season didn't go well and now he's on his third coordinator in his many years. And it was one coach in the league told me, are we going to see Rhett Lashley, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, or are we going to see Josh Gaddis, Tyler Van Dyke? Um, and if it's the former, then I think there's a, a pretty good chance that Miami is, is winning a lot more games and certainly in a lot more games. Um, I mean, that was what was sort of stunning uh, just to get back to my first point is, you know, how difficult it was for Miami to score points. I mean, really, other than the uh, other than the Georgia Tech game, they didn't score in the second half of the season and, and barely all season. And that's alarming when you have a quarterback who's that good. So, you know, with Shannon Dawson coming in, um, you know, some of the other uh, you know, new faces there on the offensive side of the ball, it'll be interesting to see if they can recapture what they had you know, more so in 2021 when things were certainly trending in a positive direction, mostly on offense. 
before we get to the ACC and some of the other Michigas that's going around in college football, I just want to ask a, a real quick question. By the way, you can follow Adam Rittenberg on X at ESPN Rittenberg. He's a senior college football writer for ESPN. And uh, definitely go read his stuff on ESPN.com. It's amazing. But uh, as we look towards this season in 2023, uh, can the Miami Hurricanes, you talked about their schedule and some of it being favorable. Am I crazy in thinking I just want to see them make a bowl game and win it? Like, I, I can't believe we're try. I, I like I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's where I am. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, but, you know, I think you, you would acknowledge as someone who's obviously, you know, close to the program more so than I am that, you know, you didn't hire Mario Cristobal to just make a bowl game and win it. I mean, you could have just kept Manny Diaz and done that. He was doing that um, or at least making bowl games. And so um, I, I think I mean, that's the concern is that uh, ultimately, when does it flip? What, when does Miami start challenging again in the ACC? Um, and, and get to where Clemson is and, and, and where Florida State appears to be going into the season. How far away are they from that? No, it's been, you know, 2017's a long time ago now. I mean, that was the last time Miami was really in the mix in, in the conference a little bit in 2020. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I mean, certainly you want to make a bowl game in year two under Mario Cristobal, but that's not why he was hired. It was not why he was given the resources and the support and why Dan Radakovich is the AD. I mean, Miami is, is, is set up to compete for much bigger goals. But I understand the, you know, the uh, resignation for some that just, hey, give us something to cheer about. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's look at the ACC. Uh, you know, everyone's picking either Florida State or Clemson. Is that your thought process? Um, does Drake May in North Carolina have a chance to get in there? Is there an underdog? Is there a pit that could come in and, and have a chance? What, what's your thought process on the ACC? Yeah, it's really those four teams. I, I don't know if anybody else has the ability to rise up and win the conference. I mean, North Carolina has that chance because of Drake May. Um, I don't think their their personnel is good enough defensively to ultimately win the conference, especially given what Florida State has coming back and, and what Clemson could be. I mean, Clemson's the best defense in the conference in terms of talent, and they have a, room, a lot of room to improve on offense with a new coordinator and you know, Kate Klubnick with a full season going in as the quarterback. Um, you know, Pitt is a team that never should be counted out. I mean, this team won the conference in 2021. They're never going to win uh, on uh, signing day necessarily or the portal, but they produce a ton of NFL guys. They're always solid defensively. And if they can find, you know, maybe what, what needs to be unlocked with Phil Jerkovich at quarterback, I, I absolutely think that there'll be a team that's in the mix. I mean, there's a lot of other interesting teams to me. NC State is talented enough to make a push. Um, they, they, they produce a lot of NFL guys, and if they can get Brennan Armstrong, like Tyler Van Dyke, to be the guy that we saw in 2021 you know, with a coordinator who he knows and Robert and I, I think NC State is, is interesting. I think Louisville could be a really interesting team yeah. just because of that offense. You know, Jeff Brown wins some games he shouldn't because of that offense. He also coaches himself out of games he should win just because he's so aggressive. Um, so I don't see them winning the conference, but I, I see them be, being kind of a, a disruptor. I think there's a few disruptors in the ACC but realistic conference title contenders, I think there's certainly a gap after uh, Clemson and FSU. And that's why I think, Adam, and maybe you agree, that this, the, the back end of this hurricane schedule is just so daunting with having to play Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville and, and all of the challenges that they sort of, you know, pose. Overall, what's a win, you know, from – because you obviously know what it takes to be – 
a very elite program and you have a pulse on like what other programs are doing, what's a win for Cristobal and this hurricane program in, in this year two that, you know, they're on the cusp of right now? Yeah, I feel like I'm having a lot of these conversations because there's really two things. Ultimately, it comes down to wins and losses. You guys know that. Right. Um, if, if they're five and seven again, it's a disaster. If they're six and six, it's kind of a disaster. If they're eight and four, okay. But it's how, how it looks. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You know, those losses last year, 45 to three, 40 to 10, 42 to 16, 45 me, to 31 there. to middle. Like that can't <laughs> happen. So, so right. if, if you're losing to Clemson in a, in a defensive struggle on a, on a late uh, field goal, okay, you can live with that. If you, if, you, if you push Florida State down to the wire, even though it's a rival and it's certainly painful to lose to the Knowles, but if that's a competitive game at NC State, you know, how do you finish the season with Louisville and BC? That's going to be important towards shaping whatever's coming next. So you know, it, it's, it's the record, but it's also how it looks and whether you, know, you as a Miami fan – are encouraged by what you see going forward because by year three, this team needs to be competing for championships. That is why you hire Mario Cristobal. I just keep going back to that. That Miami took the big swing. They, they did what maybe they hadn't done before from a resource standpoint and said, we're going to push our chips and we're going to go for this. And if you're not competing for an ACC championship by year three, then something's wrong and needs to be reassessed. Adam, I play a little bit of roulette. Uh, every once in a while, I get down to the uh, the Hard Rock Casino, the big guitar hotel that's down the street from my house. Throw a couple shekels down on uh, red every once in a while. And if red keeps winning, I keep going with red. And I feel like Georgia's on that wheel. And until uh, they don't win, they're going to win again. Yeah, I mean, well, it's red and black, so you can't really go wrong with Georgia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, correct. But, but no, they, they certainly are the team to beat. Um, but again... Teams just don't win three straight national championships. So it's why I would take the field over them just based on history. Um, okay, that's bold. That, 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 you know, yeah, I mean, teams just don't win. I mean, well, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, teams just don't win three straight titles. I mean, we've seen dominant teams in the past, and something happens. And, you know, it's a new quarterback. There's some new pieces here and there. I think people forget that Ohio State, which was a team that had been, you know, kind of embarrassed on its home field, outplayed Georgia and should have won that game and probably should yeah, have won the no national boy. championship, which wasn't yeah. the great greatest Ohio State team. So I'm not saying you know, every year's different. Georgia might be even better, but I think we were all, I think when they win a second one, it's like, oh my God, how can anyone beat them? No, I mean, everybody's beatable in the sport. And I think there's enough, um, you know, potentially elite teams to, to give Georgia a problem. And it's just, again, it's hard to win. Coaches will tell you it's yeah. hard to win year after year after year, but they absolutely deserve that uh, number one uh, spot. And it'll be fun to see if they can do what I, I think is, I really thought was impossible in the modern era is to win three straight titles. Adam, so appreciate your time, man. Aren't you glad we didn't ask any realignment questions? Yes. Yes. No realignment, no hazing. I'm, I'm done with that. We got games to talk about. So. Adam Rittenberg, uh, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, outstanding writing, writing. Follow him on X at ESPN Rittenberg. Go read his stuff at ESPN.com. One of the best, if not the best in the country. Adam, thanks so much, man. No, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I enjoyed it. All right. We will take a break. We'll be back. We will uh, talk about Miami against Miami. The preview coming your way next on The Real Ones Canes Podcast. Fans, 
The Real Ones Canes podcast is brought to you by Closure Investigative Agency, the premier private investigative firm in Florida. They're the most aggressive PI firm in South Florida. Ulysses and his crew will get you the information you need and leave no stone unturned. They've been doing it for more than two decades, and there is no one else you should trust to find you the truth. Are you worried about a cheating spouse? Do you have a custody issue? Do you need a thorough background check done of a potential employee? Need an insurance or legal investigation done? Or even an international investigation that needs to happen? Closure Investigative Agency has you covered. Call Ulysses and his staff right now at 844-403-2550. That's 844-403-2550. Or email them at info at ciagency.com and follow them on X at C-I-A-P-I-F-L. That's C-I-A-P-I-F-L. And find them on the web at ciagency.net. Closure Investigative Agency, sponsoring The Real Ones Canes Podcast. Canes podcast, the Beast Brian London, Brandon O'Doy. Don't forget to follow us on X at Real Ones Canes. That's X Real Ones Canes. There you right. go. X, the, the artist formerly known as Twitter, I guess. Yes, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. X. I know it's taking a long time to get used to. Um, you know what is going to take a long time to get used to is if this Miami Hurricanes team starts winning again because it, it's been a while, Brandon, but. 2023, clean slate, Miami of Ohio, the other Miami, the Red Hawks, Ben Roethlisberger's alma mater coming to town. I think it's the first time they've played in like 7 billion years. So Miami against Miami. Um, I'll give you what I know on Miami of Ohio. They got uh, Blaine Gabbert's brother playing quarterback, Brett Gabbert. Uh, Blaine Gabbert, uh, the former uh, Jacksonville Jaguar. Uh, but Brett Gabbert, and he was hurt last year. He had an upper body injury, only played in four games, was able to redshirt. But the season before, he was outstanding for them, throwing the football. Does not make a lot of mistakes and can move around. He's really good. He's been there for a long time. The other thing about this Miami of Ohio team, um, their entire, a lot of their coaching staff has been there for 10 years. Yeah. So. They've got consistency, which is what you want to get to. I know they play in the MAC, but they've been pretty consistently decent in the MAC. Um, the other thing I know of is that their defense is really exemplary on third down. Um, they will really switch things up on third down, kind of play base defense one and two, and then on third down really disguise things and do a good job of either stuffing your run or getting to your quarterback. They really had a good defense last year. We'll see if that continues this year. Um, this is not going to be a complete pushover in game one for Miami. It's going to be a little bit of a test. And the other thing we know, Brandon, is that with two new coordinators for the Miami Hurricanes – and, you know, working on the little things like substitutions and getting the plays in and all of that stuff. We'll see what happens on Friday night. What do you think is going to happen on Friday night? Well, there are going to be some growing pains. Everybody needs to prepare for that. And that's just because 
new coordinator, new position coaches. There's only one returning position coach on defense. Well, two, uh, and Joseph A. and uh, uh, Coach Adai uh, on the back half of the defense. But there are going to be some, you know, procedural things. Don't get too caught up in, you know, some small things happen happening on the field. But Miami should win this game. The Canes should win this game. Um, and they should win this game comfortably. There's just more talent on the roster for the University of Miami than Miami of Ohio, and that's simple. But there is a healthy amount of respect uh, because during the press conference just today before this taping, you know, the two defensive linemen that were made available to the media, Ruben Bain, true freshman, and Jafar Harvey, I mean, these guys both said this quarterback is good. So there's a healthy respect for him his athleticism, his ability to throw the ball, extend plays, and this offensive line. This is an aggressive Miami of Ohio team, and the Hurricanes are not taking them lightly. We talked a lot about during this broadcast about this Middle Tennessee game, and I think that game, as bad as it was, almost pretty much sets the standard for never, ever, during this Cristobal era, taking a team for granted. And I think that's good. The other thing about... uh about Miami of Ohio is they don't just have one good quarterback in Brett Gabbert, but his backup who played most of last season um, is is a pretty good passer, but that's not what he's known for. He was their team's leading rusher last year. So you have that dual threat at quarterback and Miami has had trouble in the past of stopping a running quarterback. It has not gone well. Um, Guys trying to do too much. Guys not playing within the system. That's all stuff that Lance Gidry has to clean up. Listen, you took the words right out of my mouth. 11 years of covering this team, a running quarterback was always bad news. It didn't matter who the coordinators were, who the who the talent was on the field. It's never gone well. In my mind right now, I'm thinking about a Rich Rodriguez coached West Virginia team and a quarterback running all over the 2003 Miami Hurricanes that were coming off being in a championship game. So Let's just say stopping the run period. I mean, yeah. stopping the run period, that, that's just something that has to be done. It doesn't matter who's running, whether it's a running back, the guys at North Carolina, they're still running for yards from two years ago. Oh. Uh, they're in the NFL, but they're still <laughs> running on that hurricane team. So that, that's just a point of emphasis. you got to stop the run. But how does that start? With a much improved linebacker core, you know, you talk about, you know, KJ Cloud, you know, these guys coming over from Louisville. You talk about Wesley Besaint, another year to grow and develop, you know, and, and and all of the talent that's come in, you know, to be a part of this defense that should be a lot more improved from five and seven a year ago. So, you know, you got to stop the run. You got to be physical. And, and it's really just a physical mindset. I talked to a, an opposing ACC coach. I won't say who about this hurricane defense last year and his remark to me was that they just weren't physical they were super talented but they just weren't physical and they they were astonished you know he told me this as he was recruiting you know in south florida on the sidelines of one of the high school football teams he said you know he and his entire staff were just astonished at the lack of physicality from this hurricanes defense and you know that that's just mind blowing, you know, and, and and it's a mindset when when you see things like that, that's somewhat of what you want to know. Has that changed? 
is this going to be a more physical, you know, you know, during the Manny era, there was all kinds of talk about tackling. and That's a mindset. Like, we're not going to allow someone to run around on us. Past Miami Hurricane teams didn't allow that. They, they made it known that we are more physical than you and we can't wait to show you just how physical we are. And until you get back to some of that, you know, you're going to struggle to stop the run. So that's one thing I'm, I can't wait to see. This team's going to have eight or nine either transfers or freshmen in the starting 22. Um, So we're going to see some new faces having an impact. You talked about the defense and being physical, a guy that Lance Guidry has just been absolutely loving is uh, Branson Dean from Purdue. That dude uh, can bring it at defensive tackle. You put him next to LT. Um, Mesidor obviously brings a lot to the table. And then you start thinking about the linebackers, and you mentioned the names, but Francisco is going to make a huge impact. And then, you know, what they're doing with James Williams, where he can play both safety or Sam linebacker that's going to be interesting depending on the game this defense i think is going to be improved um a lot of choices i think there's five guys that or maybe four one in the transfer in brown uh Devontae brown that can start at quarterback and then four other guys that can play the other side so i think they're really talented on defense it's just a matter if they can play within the scheme and be physical enough and not get out physical by the other team And then on offense, I'm really looking forward to this offensive line creating holes for a running back by committee situation, which right now you got, you know, your Henry Parishes of the world uh, leading and a couple other guys that are, you know, going to find their way on onto the playing field. But it all starts in the trenches. I know it's cliche to say, but both sides of the football, it starts in the trenches, Brandon. No, it does. It definitely starts in the trenches. You you hope by bringing a kid like a Matt Lee in to stabilize that center position and, and, and getting uh, better at the offensive line. These freshmen are going to play a lot earlier than was anticipated, but that's why they were so highly touted and highly ranked. And so talented freshmen play in college football now in 2023. That's what happens. And so on the defensive side of the ball, you are going to see Ruben Bain rotating in you know, with the Mesidors of the world, the Leonard Taylors and the Nigel Kellys, you know, you're going to see a lot of people going on and off the field for this Hurricanes team, and that's fine. The issue with this team has been depth. Van Dyke gets hurt last year. It's a panic. It's like a throwaway season because Jake Garcia, who's supposed to come in and be this highly touted guy, did not perform to the level that, you know, we expected. Ja'Curry Brown thrown into action as a true freshman. Yeah, he came in early. As an early enrollee, it wasn't early enough to get him to the level of impact to be able to fill in the gaps. So that's what you need. You need quality depth. Uh, you need depth that goes along classes. And, you know, you want to see guys playing as hard and as, as physical as possible. And that's going to determine a lot of what this team can become. Because this team has to get some some semblance of a run game going. You know, Coach Tim Harris, you know, he, he brings a lot of experience. He's a Miami guy. He's a South Florida legend. His father, his brother, yeah. they're all coaches. And at the end of the day, some semblance of a running game that looks like the Portis, you know, the McGahee, the you know, 
something that you have can pull from past hurricane greatness has to show up. All right, Brandon, it is prediction time. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. First, we're going to start with Friday night's game against Miami of Ohio. Canes are anywhere between a 16-and-a-half, 17-point favorite. Does Miami cover? The Miami Hurricanes. I don't know if they cover, um, but a comfortable win, I'm predicting 14 to 17 points. Uh, A comfortable win, uh, some late game, try to make the score look a a lot less glamorous things out of Miami of Ohio. But, you know, at home, a serious game, you know, Miami of Ohio has Miami's full focus. No one's looking ahead to next week. This this should be a 21.14, 17-plus victory. I, I disagree from one standpoint. They're looking ahead to next week a little bit from the standpoint that I think this week is going to be pretty vanilla from a game plan standpoint because they're not going to release all of the hounds against the Red Hawks if they don't have to. So because of that, because we might see some vanilla action, I don't know if they're going to cover the 17 points, but I think Miami, by the third quarter, you know they're going to win the game. And what they do in the fourth quarter, whether they're going to play some freshmen or what have you, might get a little bit closer, give up a touchdown late maybe. But Miami will win the game, and it will be uh, the kind of win that you feel okay about going in to Texas A&M. Now let's talk about the season. And there's some big ones on the schedule. The Texas yeah. A&M game, then, of course, towards the tail end of the schedule with the Florida States and uh, the Clemsons and the Louisvilles. Your thoughts on this Miami Hurricanes 2023 campaign? I, I'm, I've had this thought from the very end of last year, and I am going to stick with it. Five and seven was a disappointing season, and to be honest, six and six to me this is gonna sound crazy i forward the hate mail directly to me you can dm me on twitter yeah you're more talented you're better coach but look at how difficult this thing is going to be i think if you get six and six and go to a bowl game any i i can't see it being that much better than that maybe seven and five because i mean look at the schedule yeah the first five games are pretty pretty fair I don't like at Temple uh, with new coordinators and, 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 you know, things of that nature. But then when you get to North Carolina, at North Carolina, at home against Clemson, you get a Virginia team that always plays us way closer than we would like. And then you go into this NC State, Florida State, and Louisville, you know, trio to end the year, which can get really, really crazy. I I just – I can't see – unless somebody breaks out that we're not expecting. And I think that person has to be Tyler Van Dyke. From what I've seen, I do not see evidence that this is a a team that's better than six and six. I think that to me is what has to happen, but I cannot, I can't sit here beast and give you a path to going much better than seven and five. I just can't. I think a six and six, seven and five season is what I'm expecting, and I think that's still progress. It's not what Hurricane fans are going to want, but again, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I've been around way too long to think that just bringing in a few new coordinators, 
bringing in a few guys in the transfer portal. Like, guys have to physically go out there and make plays. Like, who are we throwing the ball to on third down? We still don't know. And if you don't know, Texas A&M comes to town next week. You know, we're trying to figure out who these playmakers are going to be on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Kitchens, an All-American. That's great. That's one position. We need other guys to step up. So, at the end of the day, that's that's what I'm saying. That's a tough pill to swallow, but that's in my spirit, and I can't shake it. All right, I got you. So, I'm I'm one game better than you. I think I think they go at least 7-5 and five with the ceiling being 8-4. and four. Um, be, Because... Because I feel like the coaching is better. I feel like what they've done in the transfer portal, both in and out, with uh, X's and O's, and also as far as mindset goes with the guys that have gone out and the guys that have come in, I just think that is worth two or three games better than last year. And that's why I'm going to go... I expect seven and four, but I think they can get. Uh, sorry, seven and five, but I think they can get to eight and four. I I agree that it's a thing, something that should happen. I just think that there are just too many pitfalls on this schedule. I don't like at North Carolina. I don't like at NC State, and I don't like at Florida State. And so, if there are any you know trip ups along the way, um. Because to get to seven wins, you got to beat everybody you're supposed to. You know what I mean? You got to beat Miami of Ohio, one, Bethune Cookman, two, Temple, three, Georgia Tech, four, Virginia, five, and a Boston College, six. And then you got to beat somebody, maybe a Louisville, that maybe is a toss up game. And then to get to eight wins, you got to beat, you got to beat somebody you're not favored to beat. And, and, with Texas A&M becoming what I think is a better program with the hire in the offseason of the, the offensive coordinator, Petrino, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. And it's just like some clear playmaking ability is going to have to establish itself. Somebody competing for national awards. It's going to take more than one guy on defense. And so I, I tend to agree that with that ceiling. I mean, we're not very far off in our predictions, but – let me say this. Let me get this on the record. So be sure to include this when you criticize me. I think we'll be better coached. I think we'll be better. We have more talent, but I just don't like the schedule. That's why six and six to me is the floor and seven and 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 um, five is to me the ceiling because of just the unfortunate nature of how the schedule is handed to you. That surprise win's going to happen. It's going to happen somewhere along the line. That's why they'll get to eight and four. Uh, Brandon, it is uh, it's a pleasure, my man. I'm glad we're doing this. Episode one is in the books. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Follow him on X at ESPN Rittenberg. Follow Brandon at Brandon underscore Odoy. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. And most importantly, follow the show at Real Ones Canes. That's at Real Ones Canes. And if you want to join the advertisers, just email us, Real Ones Canes Podcast at gmail.com. I didn't misspell it there, Odoy. I, got it. I think I got it right that time. 
Yeah, there we go. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. That'll do it this time. We'll be back next week. If a game is on Saturday, this thing will come out Friday morning. So look for it. Subscribe. Hit it up on all of your uh, podcast apps. We're everywhere you can get a podcast. So make sure you follow it there. Brandon, it's a pleasure, my man. Always a pleasure, peace. We'll see you next time on The Real Ones Canes Podcast. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com.